gentlemen, welcome your nerds. Good evening and welcome to, I'm not a doctor but I play one on the nerd degree, a misguided exploration of medicine and maladies with an emphasis upon comic malpractice. I'm your host Erin Harrington, doctor of philosophy but not of medicine unless you count my late night stints reading WebMD and checking for symptoms and I'm joined tonight by two teams of nerds who are going to battle it out to see who will get their nerd prescription filled and who will go into comedy withdrawal. Um, they're each going to introduce themselves as well with their favourite esoteric medical fact. So we'll start over on my right. Hello, uh, my name is Ben Allen and I'm a member of a number of demographics. And um, <laughs> my, my favourite medical fact, I think there is a there are three or so types of ticks. I think there's one in Europe, one in Australia and one in North America. And if they bite you once, you can become permanently allergic to red meat. Ooh. Yeah, except wow. for primates. You can still eat monkeys. <laughs> or, or other humans, I suppose, if you want to. That, yeah. that's, that's certainly a fact. Yeah, there's a, there's a related thing as well, which is called pork cat syndrome. <laughs> this is a true thing. This is called pork cat syndrome because there's something that, if you've got a lot of cats, it's manufactured in the liver of cats and it can make you allergic to pork. So... It's the best name syndrome of all time. The best name syndrome of all time. Very good. Uh, hello, my name is Tara. I am a microbiologist and a blogger. Um, my my favourite medical fact is that uh, you've got two kidneys, and in your two kidneys you have two million uh, nephrons each, which are like the bits, the thing that makes the kidney a kidney. Um, but you only need one million, so if you're ever short on cash, you have one and a half kidneys that you could give away. So, just letting you guys know. <laughs> Very good. And together, what is your team name? Erin uh, tonight will be playing as Battlestar Sciatica. Battlestar Sciatica, everyone. <laughs> and over to my left. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Henry. I am a radiographer and an improviser. Uh, and my medical fact is that tongues, uh, like th- uh, fingers, have a unique uh, imprint. So I can't wait for the next iPhone when they have a, a tongue print sensor. <laughs> Hi, I'm Laura. Um, I'm the editor of Aotearotica, uh, and we've just published our third volume, which we're very excited about. Um, I know nothing about medicine, but I do like kind of gross facts. Um, and I, one of my favourite ones is that your eyeballs and your testicles, if you have some, um, <laughs> are immune-privileged pockets in your bodies, which means they can hold a virus that the rest of your body is clear of. For instance, the Ebola virus, um, which means that you could actually uh, catch Ebola sexually transmitted from somebody who doesn't actually have it present in the rest of their body at that particular time. It's an amazing fact. Oh. And what's your team name? Uh, together we are the Ace Tabulums, which is um, a hilarious reference to the Acetabulum, your hip joint, a perfect fusion of the ilium, the ischium and the pubic bones. <laughs> <laughs> when you have to explain oh, it, so when you have to explain it, you know yeah. it's good. The Ace Tabulums, everyone. Thank you. And we are joined in the booth by our resident doctor, who in no way infringes copyright, Dr Rick Niviera. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be keeping scores at the same time as performing open-heart surgery. Hope this works out. I'm putting his heart into it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be checking back in with Dr Rick uh, periodically. Um, now we're going to head into the first round nerd quotient, a bunch of nerdy facts and trivia. But first, can the teams roll for initiative? Oh, go, Tara. Yeah, I'm ready. 
10, 11. Oh, yes. Right, so first question goes to the ace tabulums. It's common knowledge that Coca-Cola used to contain cocaine, but what did 7-Up originally contain? Um, Methamphetamine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That that, that is not correct. How about Battlestar Sciatica? Yeah, you could name a lot of things, couldn't you? Was it heroin? Was it used to be heroin (laughs) or freebase crack? Um, (laughs) Was it the souls of the dead workers? (laughs) Uh, workers. Well, it might contain the souls of the dead workers, but that's not the answer I'm looking for. Um, We do know that lots of sodas, of course, were pharmaceutical preparations. Seven Up used to contain lithium, the mood stabiliser that's naturally found in lots of water springs. It was originally called bib-labelled lithiated lemon-lime soda, uh, the lithium referring to the lemon citrate that the inventor uh, C.L. Greg hoped would make the drink more healthy. Uh, it was also marketed as slenderising. Why is that ironic? <laughs> because that's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> because of the amount of sugar they had to put well, in. It's got li- quite li- loads of sugar. One of, one of the, the best-known side effects of lithium is that it makes you put on a lot of weight. When did 7-Up, we just look at this picture that says it's lemon soda, when did 7-Up mm. stop tasting of lemon at all? Because obviously at some point they claimed... It was lemon-flavoured. Now it's really not. Well, they did stop putting the lithium citrate in in 1948. They might have stopped putting the lemon and the lime in there okay. at the same time too. Uh, the follow-up question for that, though, is uh, why is it called 7-Up? Is it the number of something to do with the number of inches of the, the height of the bottle? Mm, maybe. Anything further? Because it makes you grow seven inches. Maybe. Anything further? <laughs> the bubbles go up. They do go up, and there are at least seven <laughs> bubbles in the picture. Um, the actual answer, according to Snopes.com, is despite widespread speculation, uh, Greg never told anyone, so nobody actually knows. Oh. Uh, the next question, what connects goat testicles, lotus flowers, and witch burning? Over to you, Battlestar Sciatica. Well, from what Laura said before, the goat testicles could have a bowler in them and the goat would never know. So that, that could be one. I'm not sure about witch burning. I'm not sure where that comes in. Uh, is, it, is it a bad idea to inhale any of these things? <laughs> <laughs> like, is it, don't stand too close to a witch burning because you'll get something up your nostril which won't go very nicely. Well, well I'd, I'd agree it's, it's a bad idea to sniff. Um, oh, no, lotus flowers would smell all right. How about um, acetabulums? Do you have any idea what might connect them? They're all a cure for something. Gout. No, they're actually... Witch burning. Is it a cure for Satanism? Is that what well, they're actually all cures for impotence. Uh, lotus, oh. fl- <laughs> lotus flowers historically were seen as an aphrodisiac. Uh, quack doctor and broadcasting pioneer John R. Brinkley built a highly profitable empire upon the xenotransplantation of bits of goat testicles into humans, and there's a really neat animated documentary about it called Nuts. Uh, but what, what about witches? Why might burning witches be a cure for impotence? <laughs> Because it's a sad condemnation of the male psyche. <laughs> you just, you know, just like, get down and burn a woman, yeah! That's really probably what it was. It's kind of depressing. Um, what is the creature that sits on a man's chest and succubus? No. Yeah. Is, have they got anything to do with witches and, you know, well, well, they might draining do. men of their vital juices? Well, well, you're kind of along the right tracks. So you, can, you can have a, a tiny sprinkling of points. Um, witches, of course, might steal your penis. Ah. Witches, of course, might also curse you on your wedding night Making you unable to consummate your marriage Um, And in fact, the early church allowed for marriage annulment On the grounds of magical impotence (laughs) 
magical. Is it just like, is it the sort of medieval version of this normally never happens to me? <laughs> yeah. It must be a witch. Burn her. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's exactly right. Uh, that's exactly right. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> Next question over to the ace tabulums. Um, this is along the same lines. What connects a hand crank, hoses, and mixed herbs? They're all aphrodisiacs. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, maybe, kind of. Um, <laughs> Depends what herbs, right? <laughs> Depends on what herbs. What are you mixing in there? Again, they're all a cure for something. Is it like rheumatism or something? I don't know. Using a hand crank might get your, your, your muscles working. Yeah, maybe. Uh, uninspired pasta. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can always tree that up a little bit with uh, some mixed herbs or a blast from the hose. <laughs> Two, uh, I've got an idea, but two of these fit. One of them not so much. Mm. Is it a cure for constipation? Well, well, no. You're, you're correct, but that's not well, the <laughs> that's not the answer I'm looking for. Oh, so you can fun. you can still have you can still have points. Is for it that. like an enema well, type arrangement? Well, actually, it's it's not round the back. It's round the front. I'm thinking of our cures oh. for hysteria. Because heaven forbid a woman feels something without being labelled crazy. So uh, the herbs, the mixed herbs, this comes up again and again through history. So Galen, for instance, writing the 2nd century AD, uh, wrote about administrations of hellebore, mint, laudanum, belladonna extract, valerian, and so on. Um, the hose was a type of pelvic hose that was installed at public mineral baths in the mid-1800s. Uh, they were very popular amongst <laughs> women. And um, the hand crank here is a hand-cranked vibrator. So vibrators were medical instruments. Why, why did doctors need vibrators, these hand-cranked vibrators, to help treat uh, women? They, they said, yeah. So I'm pretty sure they used to think that uh, like a woman having sexual feeling was meant there was something wrong with them. And so they were like, well, we'll just give you a million orgasms and then you can just get over it. You can get points for that. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So um, an hysterical paroxysm is, is what it was called. And vibrators were made because uh, doctors would um, administer uh-huh. pelvic massages and their hands got tired. No. So, so instead we have wow. these. And, of course, then they start making their way into the home as well, um, as, as massages, of course, too. Uh, the follow-up question to that is, uh, what has hysteria historically been connected to? What does it kind of mean? It's connected to the womb, isn't it? Yep. And in, I know this because it's written on a piece of paper in front of me for something that I'm going to talk about <laughs> later in the show. Um, there was a complaint called the wandering Absolutely. uterus. Absolutely. Lots of points. Which um, is going right back to the Greeks, right? Where they used to think that the uterus was locatable within the body and could move around at will. Yeah, absolutely. So that was um, Hippocrates, you're thinking of, 5th century BC. uh, The first description goes all the way back to the ancient Egyptians, uh, where a papyrus identifies the cause of hysterical disorders in spontaneous uterus movement within the female body. Um, What was quite funny when I was looking uh, this stuff up, well, a lot of it's not very funny at all. I was going to say, so far this is basically the men suck round. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were apologising yeah. before, Ben, I think. You could just keep that going. Is that writing in 1913, British physician Havelock Ellis suggested that nearly 75% of women suffered from hysteria, which would give them headaches, epileptic fits, and coarse language fits. <laughs> um, and it was, those. it was removed from the DSM uh, in 1980. So, Well, that's why they call getting your uterus taken out a hysterectomy. That's correct. I think if I, I woke up points? one morning yes. and found that my womb had shifted to my armpit, I'd use some coarse language as well. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, what yeah. do, do you know how they try to move the womb around the body and back into special places? With oh, special vibrating massages. Yes, they would, and also with um, 
with gases and scents, so they'd burn like sweet smelling things to attract the womb and, <laughs> and, and like, wow. like wave them around between your legs and have really like noxious smelling things. Oh, like around a there so could, fantastic voyage style thing where they get a, a scientist in a submarine and they shrink him to them. We're sending you in. You're going to put the womb back in the right place. Just, just, just on a, a moving organ note, though, mm. I've had two babies and my midwife did tell me after the second one that it does take two years for your organs to go back to the same place that they were before you got pregnant and your uterus wow. pushes them all out of the way. The last time I had to go to the lady doctor, she said, oh, your womb swings to the left. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there we go. Um, let's, let's move along. <laughs> what, what, do you get, what do you get if you combine the following things? Beer grease, boar fat, blood, wine, skull moss. Love potion. Oh, I wish. Oh. One heck of a Friday night. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. A terrible are, Saturday morning. We are thinking of a type of potion, though. What, what might this uh, concoction cure? Beer grease. Was it second one? Was it, was it boar fat? Yeah, boar fat. Boar fat. Yeah. Um, and the moss from the skull of a man who died violently <laughs> might give you it's a... It's very a specific. Yeah. Is it a cure for, for rage or aggression? Or? Well, it's kind of... You can have a few points. It's a cure for rapier wounds. Um, it was a type of weapon salve, which was a type of sympathetic magic where you'd combine these and you'd apply them to the weapon, not the womb. Uh, which... Uh, womb? <laughs> where you'd apply them to the weapon and not the wound. Uh, where, where people had ideas that if you applied... Um, like, say, poultices or medicine to the bandages that had gone around the wound, then the wound itself would be healed without actually kind of touching it. Uh, abject nonsense, I think. How did, I was going to say, how did that idea persist for more than the first time they tried it? Like... It, it persisted for a really, really long time. Um, and another version that's kind of interesting was from a guy called Sir Ken Elm Digby, and he put together a powder, which was uh, copper sulphate, beat very small in a mortar, shifted through a fine sieve when the sun enters Leo, keep it in the heat of the sun and dry by night. I can see a, a an immediate problem for that as well. So say your friend or your brother or your loved one has just been wounded in a rapier fight and you're like, oh god, we've got to make this stuff. I've just got to go out and find moss from a skull of someone that's died violently. Where will we get that? It's just going to lead to more rapier fights. It's like a side quest. It's, it's just like, it's a <laughs> perpetual cycle of rapier violence. Just to like get the moss from the skull. Then you have to wait for it. Then you have to kill someone and sit down and like wait for like 48 hours. By which stage the rapier wounds probably healed itself and the, yeah. the medicine perhaps proves The itself. system works. Yeah. Um, I do have a follow-up question for this, though. With this in mind, with this idea of sympathetic magic, uh, how could a wounded dog solve the longitude problem? Aww. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know what the longitude problem is? Nope. To start off with. Tell us, Erin. I'm asking you. Haven't got a clue. No, have been. What are you looking at me for? <laughs> You're stroking um, your chin. I'm just, I was stroking it's, my it's chin. It's from the history of navigation. So we're thinking about the idea that it was really easy to figure out latitude, how far north or south of the equator it was, but really, really hard to figure out how far east or west you were, particularly when you're navigating by sea. Um, and heaps of money was spent on the problem. There were awards made and so on and so forth. But a suggestion was offered in an anonymous, I'm not doing very well tonight, anonymous pamphlet from 1687 called Curious Inquiries. So we're thinking about the longitude problem. How might a wounded dog and a little bit of sympathetic magic perhaps work to figure this out? Is this going to be something horrible? It's going to be something horrible about wounding dogs and how many times they bark. And then if you throw them overboard, like, see how fast they sink, <laughs> like, that well, kind you, of a thing. Could you use that healing time as a measurement of 
time, like the length it takes you to go this far? Almost. You can you can both have a few points around that. The the pamphlet <laughs> the pamphlet theorized that a wounded dog could be put aboard a ship. The animal's discarded bandages could be left in the trust of a timekeeper on shore, um, and he would uh, dip it in powder of sympathy at a predetermined time, which would cause the dog to yelp, therefore turning the dog into a clock so they could measure longitude. Where do you get powdered sympathy from? Yeah. No, no, no uh, powder of sympathy is the, the nasty kind of concoction. Right. Yeah. Although that'd be good, you could sell that. Lithiated powdered sympathy. <laughs> that'd work pretty well. Um, there's no known records of the effectiveness of this procedure. The pamphlet itself might be a work of satire <laughs> as well. Um, finally, what do the following have in common? Applying lice to one's legs, inserting hookworms under the skin, drinking tainted beer broth, huffing nitrous. Are they all weight loss fads? No, they're not, but they could be, so you can have points for that. They're all really stupid to do. Well, they look like they would be stupid to do, judged by those pictures. They're they're ill-advised, I'll give you that, so you can have some points. Anything further on that? Uh, Are millennials killing each of them? (laughs) You can have all the points for that, um, although that's incorrect. Uh, They are, in fact, things that doctors and scientists have done to themselves in the name of science. Do you know about any of these cases? I wonder if, like, the last one... I know that there's a guy... I know that we have a thing... I can't remember the name of it, but it's basically the the pain scale for being stung by insects. Oh, and yeah. it's basically this mm. one guy who has basically gone around the world, found all the very stinging and biting insects, and basically put them on a jar on his arm and then been stung by them and then just written up how much it hurt <laughs> afterwards. Um, and, like, there's literally... It's the whole scale for... It's called the Something Something Pain Index... And um, he just something, writes something these, pain in there. Yeah, he, he, he writes these lurid kind of descriptions of like you know a, a fruity kind of pain with a, a hint of chocolate in the afterburn. Like, you know, and um, he said that because yeah, the number one, the number one most painful I think is the bullet ant. Bullet ant, yeah. Which is called the bullet ant, not because it's because it feels like being shot if it bites you. Um, so I don't know that could be the lice one, but like I, I'm not sure about uh, all hook them. <laughs> um, it's it's not, but you get points for exceptional trivia and relevant trivia as well. Uh, the lice one is a guy, uh, a biologist called Kyung Yip, uh, sorry Kyung Sup Yoon, who was studying the effects of medication on head lice, but he couldn't figure out a way to farm head lice. So he attached plastic containers on his legs and farmed up to 300 lice at a time. Um, and in doing wow. so, he uh, developed new methods for growing large numbers of lice. <laughs> on I'd say what a boon pri- to science. <laughs> yeah. so he, just had, he just had to walk around with containers of lice just on his legs, yeah. just going to the supermarket yeah. and living his life. Yeah. And he could just have gone to a primary school. He could have. <laughs> that he could have. Um, how about the beaker filled with tainted beer broth? Why, why might you want to guzzle that? Or if, for science, at least. <laughs> what is that floating in it? It's uh, my concern. <laughs> it's a big white chunky bit. It's very so, disturbing. I know there's a similar one, which is, uh, a, I'm not sure if it's this one exactly, but a guy who wanted to prove that stomach ulcers were caused by Helicobacter pylori. That is exactly that, yeah. right. So and big congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, we bought a microbiologist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he wanted to prove that um, stomach ulcers were caused by this particular um, bacterium, and everyone was like, nah, 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 nah. And so he was like, N- you know what, it is. And, and was like, look, I don't have a stomach ulcer. 
glug glug, and then was like, look, now I have a stomach ulcer. Um, yeah, it was pretty easy sort of cause and effect. Yeah, and, and he was then able to just treat himself with antibiotics. Yeah, mm. so his name, uh, that happened in 1984, a guy called Barry Marshall, and he um, won a Nobel Prize in 2005, so... Which was appended that said, like, Nobel Prize. Please, kids, do not try this at home. (laughs) Do you you know anything about why uh, someone might start huffing nitrous? For fun. That's pretty much it. You get points. <laughs> yeah. so, so a guy called Sir Humphrey Davy, who was a chemist, and he, was also, he also invented the miner's lamp. Um, starting around 1800, 1799, he started experimenting with inhaling nitrous. He'd basically create these little rooms for himself, all these boxes for himself that he'd stick his head in. Um, and it was mostly for fun and pleasure, but it was also because he loved the, the, like, the highly perceptive hallucinogenic kind of state, semi-delirious state that came about afterwards. Later on, he, had, he suggested that it might be used Used as an anaesthetic, but uh, well people after. didn't really listen yeah, to him like covering himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, also we could use it for an anaesthetic, but they do it at parties, they'd have these little booths and fill it up with laughing gas. Is that where the origin of hot boxing came from? Probably, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, what's the last one there? Is we hook have um, hookworms. Why might you stick hookworms under your That's skin? obviously for recreational use as well. It is for recreation. No. They did it not. at parties. It's not yeah. like they're, they're curing, curing celiac wine. They were looking into putting worms in your bloodstream. That... No, but it's kind of similar. It was an immunologist uh, called David Pritchard who put 50 hookworms under his skin to test his findings. Uh, he'd been studying in Papua New Guinea that certain parasites improve the immune system's defence against allergies and autoimmune diseases. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my favourite little addendum to this is he was able to deduce that only 10 hookworms were necessary for future <laughs> symptoms. <laughs> it's very good. Um, that's the end of that round. So over to Dr Rick. Oh, hey, Erin. This surgery is going really well. I'm going to have heaps of parts left over. Okay, so uh, looking at the scores, I'm just counting the incisions I made on the patient. Um, the ace tabulums have ten, and Battlestar Sciatica are surging ahead, much like the blood, on fourteen. Battlestar Sciatica. <laughs> each uh, of the nerds to do some homework and that homework is to come up with a sort of pitch or ad or jingle for a miracle drug or cure relating to the choice of nerd topic. Um, we're going to start with Ben and Laura. Ben, do you want to go first? Sure. So uh, this is a, a, a new drug for people that live in uh, Westeros. Oh, uh, Game, Game of Thrones, of course. Hey, are you struggling with life in the Westerosi present class? Do you find working 16 hours a day to produce grain for your lord harder than you used to? Is it tough to get out of bed in the mornings because your house has been burnt down? It's time to try the latest innovation from Kyburn Pharmaceuticals. Hope! (laughs) (laughs) Hope is a revolutionary new tonic that gives you the energy you need to carry on even when the Baratheon army appears over the horizon to loot what's still left of your meagre food supplies after the Lannisters looted it last week. With new hope, you can take the edge off all those little daily worries that can get you down. Worried about your conscripted son who was last seen heading down to the twins with the Stark army to celebrate Rob's wedding? <laughs> with hope, maybe he just stepped out for air for a moment. <laughs> Perturbed at rumours that Daenerys plans to invade the Westerosi countryside with thousands of bloodthirsty warriors and some actual goddamn dragons? With hope, Queen Cersei totally has a plan for that, I'm sure. She seems like a sensible lady. <laughs> or a smidgen concerned that a bitty years-long winter has begun even as years of constant war here have ravaged the countryside, leaving you unprepared, bereft of resources and with no idea of how your family will survive? With new hope, um, 
Something will turn up. <laughs> Hope's revolutionary formula works by tapping the deepest wells of the body's key stamina reserves, which we call the dregs. <laughs> With access to the power of the dregs of your stamina, now you've got the painfully slow-burning energy you need to drag yourself through another day. Now, we're not saying Hope can solve all your problems. No, we're just not saying that. <laughs> Why not ask your local red priest of R'hllor if Hope is right for you? Don't miss out any longer. Start Hope today and turn We're Going to Die into We're Going to Die Probably. <laughs> Very good. Laura, what have you got? I have an actual drug from an actual history. Um, uh, Okay. Ladies, does your wuthering and wailing leave Heathcliff out in the cold? Do your snappy comebacks stop Mr Darcy from coming back? Is your stubborn stance against bigamy a barrier to your Mr Rochester? Never fear, Lord Nim is here. Perfect for complaints such as hysteria and wandering uterus, it'll also stop those pesky independent thoughts dead in their tracks. Very good. Um, I'm going to give that to Laura because uh, Lord Nim beats hope any day of the week. <laughs> so congratulations, Laura. <laughs> this next round is a quick fire round called Doctor Doctor. Um, I'm going to ask each of the teams uh, which pop culture doctor came first. Um, I might actually just get you to ding in rather than go team by team. Uh, first, Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman, or Doogie Howser, MD. Aww. Ben. Doogie Howser? Correct. Uh, 1989 to 93 versus Dr. Quinn's 1993 to 98. Next, uh, Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy or Dr. Strange in his original comic book iteration? Henry. Uh, Dr. McCoy. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, Dr. Strange, 1963. Uh, Dr. Greg House or Dr. Who rebooted uh, featuring Christopher Eccleston as uh, the ninth Doctor? Yes, Christopher Eggleston. Uh, no, that no. was <laughs> that was two thousand and five. Doctor yeah. House, two thousand and four. You just can't use it properly. Yeah. Huh? You're right. The bell broke. Sorry. Okay. Oh, I was going to say the opposite of Henry. So can I have some points? Yeah, we can yes. feel that. Yes. Oh, yay! <laughs> Doctor Meredith Grey or Doctor John J D Dorian. Meredith Grey. Uh, incorrect. Oh. Grey's Anatomy. I was going to say the opposite of Tara. Can I, have some <laughs> I, I would say yes if it weren't for your petulant tone. Oh. Uh, so, Grey's Anatomy 2005, Scrubs is 2001. Dr. John Zoidberg or Dr. Evil? Dr. Evil. Yes, 1997 against Futurama's 1999. Uh, Dr. Hawkeye Pierce from MASH or Dr. Teeth, leader of the Muppets house band Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Ben, this is yours. (laughs) One of those. Um, I know I'm going to go Hawkeye. Correct, 1972 versus the Muppets 1975. Bonus points to any of you who can tell me who the rest of Dr. Teeth's band were. Give Uh, me their names. Zoot. Yes. Janice. Yes. Uh, those are the only two I can think of. How about the audience? Animal. Animal, Animal and who else? Floyd Pepper. Yep. And there were two mysterious interlocutors who popped in very briefly. The chickens. Yeah. No, that oh, the aliens. Ma na uh, there was, there was uh, a trumpet player called Lips and a guy called Clifford who was there for, like, one episode. Uh, but, yes, so, so the audience can have a couple of points and Ben can have a couple. I thought, and I thought that was a rhetorical question. I thought, like, <laughs> no one's going to know the name of the band, people. 
Um, so yeah. Do you want some points, Henry? No, no. <laughs> no, he doesn't, he doesn't want any points. Don't okay, give him any. okay. Next, Oprah-supported TV quack Dr. Phil or Oprah-supported TV quack Dr. Oz? Dr. Phil. Absolutely. 2002, Dr. Oz gets his first show in 2009. Uh, Dr. Robotnik or Dr. Nick Riviera? Dr. Robotnik. Which show is that from, Aaron? Sonic. Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yep. Dr. Robotnik. Yes, you get some points. Were you going to say the opposite, Tara? <laughs> no. no. You can take some points. I would have Give given you points. some points for the opposite because they're both from 1991. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, Dana Scully, MD, or Dr. Hannibal Lecter? Book or film? Does that make a difference? Um, it may or may not make a difference. Who came first? <laughs> Hannibal, but in the book form. He did, yes. So in literature in 1981, in film 1991, and The X-Files in 1993. Uh, and final one, Doc Brown from Back to the Future or legendary rapper Andre Young, also known as Dr. Dre. Yeah. I feel like just because you're going to mess with us, Dr. Dre. No, well, yes, he, he took that name on in 1984 and Back to the Future was in 1985, but so also, you yeah. are correct. Yeah, and Christopher Lloyd is a lot older as well than <laughs> Dr. Dre. That's, that's very good. How are we going with the scores, Dr. Rick? Oh, we're going pretty well, I think. Uh, I've just been uh, trying to uh, put all these things back in and hook them up correctly, and it looks like currently uh, Ace Tabulums are on 20... And Battlestar Sciatica are also on 20. Oh, that's the number of fingers and toes still on my patient. Aww. It's a good day. It is a good day, Dr. Rick. Thank you very much. 20. <laughs> this next round is, um, a, is a round of Bad for Your Elf, but it's a detoxification round of Bad for Your Elf. Now, Tara... You have a lovely blog. It's a medical demystification blog called Get Learned. Yes. Would you like to tell us very briefly about it? I have a medical demystification Demystification. blog (laughs) called Get Learned. Um, It stems from I was watching a TV program and an ad came on and it was like, kills 99% of germs. And I just kind of had a little fit because I was like, it's so incorrect. Um, And so I started this blog and it's called Get Learned and you can find it on the internet by going to getlearnedweb.wordpress.com and um, I essentially write uh, facts but with swear words. So please read it. The best sort of facts. Now, Now, would you like to give us like a quick one minute rundown on detoxification? Which one? Uh, the bullshit one. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> the one with swear words, too. Yeah. The one with yeah. wow. Okay. So th- this this thing that exists in the world where people are like, oh, you you put bad things in your body, you smell bad stuff, you like there's toxins, toxins in the air, there's toxins in your food, there's toxins in the water, whatever, whatever, and it's bad, and you have to detox yourself by drinking this concoction or by only having food at these times or whatever, and it's all bullshit. It is all bullshit. And so for this uh, edition of Bad for Your Elf, I have a list of bullshit cleansers and detoxification procedures uh, found with ease on the internet, all of which purport to aid the removal of, as you say, generic, unnamed, and highly something or other toxins. Uh, We know, for instance, maybe a juice cleanse, various expensive juices and smoothies that will rescue your aggrieved body from mysterious forces. So I'm going to hand this uh, list of bullshit cleansers over to Battlestar Sciatica. Uh, Your job is to read out those, but also sneak in some of your own. And uh, the ace tabulums will need to say if that bullshit... 
detoxification is on the list of real bullshit detoxifications, <laughs> or is it a fake made up bullshit bullshit detoxification? <laughs> are, we, are, we, okay. are we all clear yep. on this? Okay, good. Okay. Um, Indian food. Just it's, all of it. I, I feel like there's a double bluff. I feel like, you know, with like hot spice and things, the thought might be to sweat out. Yeah, the, I was thinking just the same yeah? as you. Uh, so, that, that's a true bullshit detox. It is true, true bullshit. It is true. It's a super alkaline diet of mung beans, cooked vegetables, basmati rice, and spices called the Kitchery Cleanse, care of globalhealingcenter.com. <laughs> uh, spicy lemonade. I don't feel like that's a thing that should exist. But what do you think, Henry? Isn't there that? I feel like a lemon, a, a drinking lemon detox is a thing. Um, and spices, as we've just discovered, yeah. are also a thing. Do you think you'd combine them? Uh, I mean, why not? I mean, if it's bullshit, surely anyone will believe it. True? It is true. It is true. <laughs> it's called the Master Cleanse, a.k.a. the Lemonade Diet. Yeah. Freshly squeezed lemon juice, organic grade V maple syrup, uh, cayenne pepper and spring water. And that's it. Yeah. Nothing else. For just like, like a week. That's it. A week. Yeah. yeah. Wow. yeah. Um, one of the, the websites that I was looking at says, well, this can be an effective method for both liver and colon cleansing. I still recommend performing an oxygen colon cleanse for a liver and gallbladder cleanse at the same time. <laughs> Is that just drinking liquid oxygen? <laughs> <laughs> we, we can only hope. Next one. Uh, reorganising your life so that all the stressful situations occur on the same day each week. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That sounds like my life, but with every day. I'd do that. Yeah, I think that's false bullshit. It is. It's bullshit bullshit. Um, a turmeric colon cleanse. I saw an ad on TV for turmeric last night. I just I think turmeric's the new thing and like buying actual turmeric instead of you know the ground spice. But it's all been at this end rather than a that end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe you can insert little bits of turmeric. True. No. <laughs> like, we oh, laugh like that one was ridiculous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but spicy lemonade. It's science. Next one. Uh, vegan ice cream. <laughs> Is this a, a, no, that's a thing, but I don't think that's a cleanse. You mean you would just I don't eat think it's a cleanse cream. either, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the internet. <laughs> like, it'll be like cleansing yourself of the guilt of an enjoyable dessert. Like, that's probably the only thing it can clean. Yeah, stop exploiting cows. Yeah. yeah. Um, false. That's true. Uh, Kippies, who are an organic raw non-dairy ice cream shop in Venice Beach, California, advocated for the Kippies ice cream cleanse where you just ate their product for four days <laughs> um, and got 820% of your average daily uh, saturated fat. Ago. Um, eating cotton balls. <laughs> that is a diet thing, isn't yeah. it? A, a lot of models. Crazy diet, a lot though. of models do it. They dip them in orange juice and they eat them to what? kind of fill up the stomach so they don't feel <laughs> hunger. But only because you can't digest it, right? So it's not actually going to put any weight on your body. Yeah, well, I, like, I like how that's the good bit about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like it's not. Like, it's, mm. um, I think it's true. It is true, and it was down on a page as a cleanse as well as a diet. So cleansing yourself of all dignity, perhaps. Uh, setting aside 30 minutes each day to look wistfully out of a window. <laughs> it's called I mindfulness. Like, I feel right? like this is, this is part of that put all the shitty things in one day 
Um, detox. I probably put it as false as well. Do you think? No, I'm going to go with true bullshit. True? I think it's part of the whole mindfulness thing that's going on. Okay. No, I just made that up. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's bullshit. Bullshit. Had a ring of Ben Allen to it. Yeah. The wistful. <laughs> Next one. Okay. Uh, baths aligned with lunar cycles. I think that's... Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, it is true. It's called a sole bath. 15 to 30 minutes soaking in a mixture of pink Himalayan salt and essential oils on the day of the full moon and on the day of the new moon. However, don't soak longer than 30 minutes or you'll start to absorb the toxins back in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's it's sad that we have to say, yes, that is true at the end of each one of these. Doesn't feel right. Um, $530 worth of soup. (laughs) <laughs> I thought, what time frame, I wonder um, Three days Yeah, true, yeah, true. Uh, It's the five day cleanse Offered by Supure.com uh, And if that costs too much Their one day cleanse pack starts from $79 uh, One more Oh, there's so many good options Okay, two more <laughs> um, Fresh air Yes, true bullshit, surely yeah, the breatharianisms. Mm. Um, so, so breatharianism uh, claim to live only on um, a tea and a biscuit every few days and mostly fresh air and sunlight. They were outed as bullshit artists in um, an Australian edition of 60 Minutes in 1999. They had to have a, like an inquiry into that? <laughs> <laughs> wow, OK. Uh, Last one. Uh, yelling at your pet. <laughs> Um, like you hear, you know, like scream into a pillow, and that's a good way. But not if the pillow's like alive. <laughs> Pets Where are, are you than sleeping, children? Henry? <laughs> yeah. On my cat. Um, I, I'm saying yes, but in a sad kind of a way. No, thankfully, <laughs> that is bullshit. Except bullshit. for me, I love to abuse my cat. It all up. No, I can't. Be. Some of the other things I had on the list were tabbouleh, uh, a foot bath with a mild electric current, algae, um, and a nasal tube that drips feed straight into your stomach over a course of 10 days. So you only get 260 calories a day. Uh, all real bullshit cures. Wow. Let's all just scrunch up our faces for a bit. That worked well on the podcast. Yeah, it's good, eh? It's good, eh? Um, over to Dr. Rick. How are the scores? Oh, it's, the scores are going well. I, I've decided to do a liver cleanse on my patient right now, so I'm just got it going through the washing machine, and then I'll pop it right back in. Okay, currently, Battlestar Sciatica are on 24 points, but surging ahead are the Ace Tabulums with 27. <laughs> That was a dramatic pause. <laughs> Great. Henry and Tara, let's hear your homework. Henry, do you want to go first? Do you find yourself always saying yes? Are you agreeing to things at work that you really just don't want to agree to? Are you feeling peer pressured by your friends to always say yes and to do things? Well, with sodium bromate, we can finally give you the power to say, nah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> It's the most unenthusiastic nerd degree round of applause I've ever heard. Tara. Well, good. Um, 
Hello, New Zealand. It's me, Suzanne Paul. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm here to tell you about the newest revolution in alien abduction aftercare. Have you ever been abducted and the next morning thought to yourself, "Uh uh-oh, I think I might be incubating seven or 8,000 alien viruses (laughs) capable of destroying every cell in my body and anyone who comes in contact with me? Are you anxious about someone discovering the thousands of luminous spheres glittering in your eyes as you gestate enough deadly alien toxin to destroy a small village? (laughs) Don't want the hassle? Well, lucky for you, there's the after-abduction pill. A single dose is enough to destroy any residual alien ectoplasm left in your system from a night of kidnapping and probing. No more embarrassing trips to the bathroom to excrete remaining eggs implanted in your viscera. (laughs) (laughs) The after-abduction pill works by targeting the foreign Q&A left behind in your system by the extraterrestrials and, as a bonus, it will clear up any nasty ear infections that might have been brewing from your babel fish. So ask your pharmacist today for the after-abduction pill, sponsored by our beloved overlord Zorp. Oh, very good. Um, I'm going to give that, as, as much as I'd like to give it to you, Henry, as, a, as someone who flunked her way out of a chemistry degree, um, I'm going to have to give it to Tara and her thousands of luminous spheres. <laughs> <laughs> this final round is called Kill or Cure, and it's a dystopia round. Each team will have to come up with an horrendous future catastrophe or world-ending calamity. Uh, you, the audience, are going to judge which is the most awful future scenario. Um, in this case, each of the teams are going to be given an innocuous item from the medical cabinet, which will ultimately precipitate the downfall of humankind. Um, who's ahead on the scores, Dr Rick? Uh, currently, we have Battlestar Sciatica pulling ahead. OK, well, I'm going to give uh, the first one to the Ace Tabulums. Uh, and what I'd like you to do is come up with a dystopia based on kitty vitamins. <laughs> well, clearly this is going to make the children healthy and strong, right? And they're already not happy with the rules, <laughs> at least in my house, um, <laughs> that I've laid down for them. So anything that enables them to fight against those, I can see resulting in something disastrous. Um, unfortunately, um, down, the bottle of the, down the bottom of the bottle pictured, uh, it says that this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease. Um, and if we give our kids that are, it's not going to do anything to them, they might start eating other things like couches or, or doors. <laughs> Imagine the horror of a couchless society. Exactly. Thank you, Ben. (laughs) Yes, children will eat things that they're not supposed to, so that that would wreak havoc on all of us, Um, particularly with the super strength they may have gained from the vitamins Mm. that they have have swallowed, Um, resulting in them rioting through the streets, refusing to go to school, um, poisoning their parents, (laughs) locking their siblings in their bedrooms... There are no doors. <laughs> it's an, it's an emotion, emotional fortress. Ten seconds. Sell it. It's developed their brain power so they're able to use the force of their mind to lock their siblings in their bedrooms mm-hmm. um, and to overthrow the government. Superhuman government overthrowing children because of Centrum Kids chewables. Uh, we might have to bleep that... Um, 
<laughs> that brand name out, but we'll figure that out later. That's on. probably what Centra wants, though, <laughs> yeah. to be fair. Okay, so over to uh, Battlestar Sidica. Uh, your innocuous bathroom product is Vaseline. Oh, <laughs> don't get me started. Go. Imagine Dude. a world, if you would, Erin, with no friction. <laughs> this is what awaits us when um, Vaseline proliferates massively When people just start using it for things that they don't really need to use it for We're going to end up in a literally slippery situation mm, mm. Imagine trying to drive on the streets A nice summer day, no frosts, nothing And you push on the brake Nope, someone's put Vaseline on the road Because they were walking on the road with bare feet As we do in New Zealand in summer but they were Vaselined up to prevent themselves from getting uh, burnt from the black uh, tar on the, on the road. And um, now your car can't stop when you're in a catastrophic car crash. When people have just got Vaseline and Vaseline's in oversupply and we just become too dependent on a population, people just throwing Vaseline pots away willy-nilly where it gets to the point where it's absolutely everywhere. Imagine that you're a typical in New Zealand 737 pilot coming in at Wellington Airport on that short runway in the gusty westerly and you've got to land and you land and you think you're safe but your plane just shoots off the end and just straight into the sea. The death toll is going to be catastrophic for one thing. Uh, Not to mention that when you eat enough Vaseline it ends up coating your uh, insides where basically any other food you eat just slips straight through and you don't get any nutrition because all the food you're eating is just Going all the way through. Our advances in high-definition television will be a thing of the past because Vaseline will cover every camera lens. <laughs> there will be everything will be a dull blur. We won't have, uh, and that's going to have knock-on effects for uh, for uh, media reporting. We're just going to be looking at the news, going, "This is all indistinct, kind of pink shape," and we can't make informed decisions anymore. Wrap it up, ten seconds. Essentially, the world full of Vaseline is a world without control. And then what? Finally happens one day. What's Vaseline made of? It's petroleum jelly. And one day somebody strikes a match. And the whole (laughs) place goes goes up up. in flames. The whole place goes up in flames. Right. So, audience, you need to decide between the children of the damned or the slippery slope. Do you go for (laughs) the children of the damned? (laughs) We've got this. We've got it in the bag. (laughs) The slippery slope. So Battlestar Sidica takes out the dystopia round. That applause was still really polite, though. (laughs) (laughs) Slightly more polite applause than the other team got. That's right. Well, while we're waiting for uh, Dr Rick to tally up the scores, um, I'd like to thank you for coming along tonight. I want to encourage you to check us out on Facebook and on Twitter. We are on iTunes. You can head to nerddegree.com. You can also find us live the first Wednesday of every month at Orange Studios here in Ferrymead. Dr Rick? Well, I think the surgery went really well and just in time as my medical degree just arrived via the internet. So, on 27 points we have the ace tabulums, but with a late injection of success, Battlestar Sciatica on 34 are the winners! Battlestar Sciatica! the end of this episode Uh, thanks to our teams thanks to the audience thanks to orange studios and of course thanks to the listeners at home good night